0: Three, two, one, 2, 1 and we're back and it is August the 4th. We are le- leaving this side of the Golden Gate Bridge. We're headed to the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge and we want to share with you before we get to our real estate information as we are famous for doing on this podcast, sharing with you guys a story that we heard last night or a noise rather that we heard last night huh, yeah. that we are quite certain was some sort of monster that was coming up from um, the islands in the water around Alcatraz and around the Golden Gate Bridge. So Julie, can you describe that monster sound?
1: Yes, well, most of you can imagine a foghorn, you know, <laughs> or something like that. But imagine if you kept hearing different versions of that over and over and started to, first of all, from a musician standpoint, it's like perfectly tuned. Which was, was it really? crazy, you know. That's funny. And I read a lot of articles about this after we got some curiosity on it um because there were other tones and somebody wrote that it sounded like an ocean symphony yeah and i I thought that was really interesting so i looked this stuff up you're getting to the analytical
0: part so the gist of it was is right (laughs) the gist of it was is we started hearing these foghorns we didn't i mean they don't sound like foghorns when the fog is really dense those of you guys who live near massive bodies of water where you're used to this sort of thing you have to forgive us for this indulgence because julie (laughs) and i are from ohio And where we're in the center of Ohio, and there's no water around us. I mean, we get excited when we see a bathtub full of water where we're from, okay? Exactly.
1: There's no surfing in Ohio. That's right. So So
0: for us to see um, the Golden Gate Bridge, let alone have all these experiences, this is pretty awesome for us and for Zoe, certainly, because this is the first time in our lives we've ever heard foghorns like that. We've heard foghorns, but we've never heard foghorns that basically start communicating with each other and so what you'd hear is you'd hear this really loud one, which evidently, Julie, as you could are about to hear, uh, research was coming from the bridge itself that we're looking at. We're quite literally looking at mm-hmm. the bridge right now. This hotel room is perfect, perfectly situated. But then all the other um, foghorns that would come... Um, In in response, Mm -hmm. but they wouldn't be in the same octave. Am I getting this right, Music Nerd? Yeah, Yeah,
1: basically. So
0: they wouldn't be in the same octave, and so you would hear a loud foghorn, and then you'd hear these higher-pitched foghorns, and it was beautiful.
1: It was beautiful. Um, We we were kind of warned about it when we checked in, and and I think our expectation was that it would be something annoying, but it ended up being really cool. And in fact, they have different meanings. It's almost like a Morse code for
0: ships. Go ahead. You can get to the nerdy part. All
1: right. So there's different versions (laughs) of this. this, And I also like this because this is unconscious incompetence for us. This is something we didn't know anything about. So for example, I won't go through all of them. When you hear a prolonged blast at intervals of no more than two minutes, the vessel, the ship, is a power-driven vessel making its way through the water. If there's two prolonged blasts, two seconds in between at intervals of more than two minutes. Now, somebody's got to be clocking this, right? Because I was trying to figure this out as I listened. But that means a power-driven vessel underway but stopped. And then it goes on, uh, another example, a bell ringing for five seconds in intervals of no more than a minute. Uh, They are at anchor. If the vessel is 100 meters or longer, the bell will ring at the forward end of the ship and followed by a gong sounding for five seconds in the aft. Now, why do they have this when they have radar? A lot of people were asking that because, you know, people call 911 saying, What in the world am I listening to? Especially if they're not familiar with it, based on some of the stuff I was reading about. Well, part of this is that this is a universal way that ships communicate. And what if their radar is down? What if mm. their communications are down? Uh, one of the things that often happens with these foghorns is uh, smaller ships are, ships are warned to stay out of the shipping lanes where the bigger, gigantic, you know, that, that carry like those big shipping containers because those guys might not see the little guys. So this this was very interesting and it was actually quite beautiful to listen to. So it was. You it.
0: And uh, that was, so that was our experience from the travels that we were on. And we are on day, what day is this? Do you even remember?
1: uh 27 i think 27. something like that
0: and, and we have a total of roughly 40 or 22 days left right yes and then we're going to return take. to puerto rico yeah yep. so have you uh started to miss puerto rico yet
1: yeah i miss you know lots of different things our friends certainly and, yeah me too you know the beach is pretty cool we, we've been seeing lots of different types of beaches and that's been interesting as well you know i think people that don't live around beaches and oceans think that water's water is water But the Pacific certainly looks a lot different than our Caribbean Sea.
0: We've been varying our experience intentionally on this trip. We've been staying at some nice hotels. We've been staying at some roadside hotels. We've been just sort of wanting to inundate ourselves with all kinds of different experiences. Because in a lot of ways, because we've been on the island of Puerto Rico for two years, basically, uh, we've sort of lost connection. Now, obviously, we are connected the way all of you are connected through, you know, digital means. But at the end of the day, there's nothing that replaces travel and actually meeting people and talking with people. Um, and I'll tell you the big takeaway for me is there's definitely a fraction of people or a faction of people, I should almost say, that are politically divided and confused and have almost lost their ability to communicate with other people unless those other people think and talk exactly like they are. But that is not. And that's on both sides of the spectrum. Right. But uh, that's not a majority of the people. Most people, no matter you know whether they're politically leading to the left or the right, they are 100 uh, percent American. And that's something I've really. I wouldn't have believed that if I just was getting all my information from the media. But people are all over the country, like for example, Julie and I were driving around in the hills of San Francisco yesterday. And talk about crazy roads, by the way. People have to be half billy goat to live on some of these streets. Uh, but you would see, you know, you would see a, a, a political activist type, um, you know, banner or whatever. And then you'd see something that was obviously supporting of the local community on a whole or maybe in the, the occasional American flag, things like that. So mm-hmm. even though it does feel like we're a country divided in, at least if you were to believe the news and maybe even parts of the country, it feels like that. I, for, to me, from this experience thus far, Um, and maybe it's just me being an optimist, which is kind of, you know, you kind of have to be, that was
1: our first point from yesterday. Yeah. Right.
0: (laughs) There you go. Uh, it does feel to me like we are rounding the bend on all of this, uh, and people are going to kind of return to a place of normalcy where they realize that all of us can live in the country at the same time and have you know shared peaceful uh, coexistence. shared beliefs and shared agreements about how the country is going to be run, and at the same time not necessarily have the uh, same shared beliefs on how you know maybe your lifestyle is different, than my lifestyle that which brings Julie and I to the you know the that's as close to the political edge as we want to go, <laughs> okay? Indeed. That, that's about it because, really, this is the number one listened to daily podcast for real estate agents in at least the United States because we focus primarily on helping you guys build your real estate businesses, and we've been sharing this sojourn around the country with you. We're going to probably end up going to 22 different states, we'll see, because we wanted to have the uh, essentially the explorative experience, but also because we wanted to share it with all of you. Um, and it is incredibly important that you remember that we are all living in a blessed country, and a blessed time in history where we're living in, especially in the united states we're living at what is peak a uh, peak man right mm-hmm. there's never been a better time and a better place to be alive than where you are right now and at the very least you should appreciate that and um yeah and from there maybe really recalculate or really think about why you maybe have some of the, the beliefs and some of the stances you do on different issues and ask yourself if that's really moving the ball forward for yourself or for your community. So that's the extent of that. So what we were talking about starting yesterday uh, was powerful practices for the top producing uh, professionals. And what we're talking about are the elements, the common elements that really anybody who's going to be successful long-term in uh, life and business, what the elements, the commonalities that they're going to have. And yesterday we talked about unbridled, uh, passionate optimism, and then we started to meander into superior knowledge of, of their market. Yeah. Okay. And so Julie, why don't yeah. you pick up?
1: Okay. So this is a common thing that the most successful professionals have, and we'll of course apply it to real estate here. If you missed point number one uh, yesterday, just get caught up on your podcast. So we're starting on point number two, superior knowledge of their market. This includes not just pricing, competition, and tracking comps, but also watching market trends. What's hot and what's not? New construction opportunities, companies relocating executives in and out of town and development. I, I like to quote Gandhi on this. He said, live as if you were to die tomorrow, but learn as if you were to live forever. What are you learning today? Are you increasing your knowledge or are you losing some of your knowledge? It's part of what we strive to do on our podcast here is to keep you up to speed. Superior knowledge of these top professionals also includes knowing unique financing options, not just relying on conventional mortgage lending, not just for first-time buyers, but also high net worth clients for people who have had forbearances, for the self-employed, you know, be able to help everyone at the highest level. Knowledge equals confidence. Ignorance equals fear. The more knowledge you have, the more people you can help and one of the ways you can tell if you're doing good on this is if you very rarely say oh, I'm sorry we don't do this or I'm sorry I can't offer that things like uh, Express offers not every agent offers that you need to be educated on she's that. talking
0: about I buyers exp agents you know what we're talking about it really is going to be not in all markets but in most markets it's going to become an absolutely necessary tool for you to have in your listing toolbox if you go to meet with a seller and the seller is comparing you against an i-buyer. An i-buyer is someone who will give them an all-cash offer. And you don't have that and your option is only to basically go the traditional retail route and and maybe there's a, you know, Zillow agents for example, there are going to be Zillow agents who are then going to be offered to offer the seller the traditional route of listing the house with Zillow Realty because it does exist or Mm -hmm. um, essentially wholesaling the house through uh, Zillow's instant offers program. So you're going to have Uh, your competitors in most major markets, San Francisco, I guarantee you, this is going to happen if you're not offering uh, an alternative to just the traditional listing route. And it's not about cutting your commission here, folks. It's about basically knowing how to offer the services that the sellers are actually wanting. And I got an, I have, this is an interesting epiphany for many of you. Hopefully you've had this already. Uh, And by the way, we're not in our normal studio. So if you hear noises in the background, (laughs) it's just because we're in a hotel room, Um, the commission is not, is not, is not the most important thing to the seller. There's the commission is very rarely the most important thing to the seller. Agents are just living in fear of the sellers asking about commission. So that's that's what the commission uh, that, you know, just think about that with regards to commission. So what is the most important thing to the seller? Uh, Convenience, hassle free, Mm -hmm. less stress. That's what people having a plan, right? That's what people want. The commission, if you lead with cut commission, you've essentially, if you're competing against even a mediocre uh, listing agent, if you're competing with somebody, they're going to win because they didn't make the commission the main thing. Making the commission thing is not meeting the seller where they're at. Even if the seller says commission is the most important thing to them, it really isn't because the convenience of it is. And if you want any further proof than that, look at the... Uh, really in some markets the proliferation of the I buyers they're willing to basically or sellers are willing to sell their house at sometimes as much as a, what a 15% discount mm-hmm. uh, because of the fact that the uh, they't the, want the hassle the seller doesn't want the hassle and so if you can allude, if you can essentially be a professional to the extent that you help position the house in the market so that correctly reflects the the buyers and the market's expectations and you remove the stress from the seller you take on as much of that as you can and you do that through your professionalism you do that through how you say things what you say when you say something matters all this comes with experience but also comes with properly trained uh, being properly well, trained
1: that's knowledge equals confidence right and
0: ignorance equals fear and so if, when you get to that point then you start feeling more comfortable and confident that will be uh, that will be something that your prospective sellers are you're going to admit that they're going to feel that vibe from you you guys know what i'm talking about you've been around professionals before you know, outside of real estate, inside of real estate, who have that sort of confidence, you want to do business with them, you're attracted to them. They are not trying to basically, this is the juxtaposition to what many of you believe is necessary for you to be successful in real estate, which is a lot of branding, which is a lot of social networking, which is sort of buying this illusionary vision of yourself as being successful before you actually are. That is the antithesis of what sellers actually want when they're hiring a professional. And I want you to really internalize what I just said, because it is true. There are no shortcuts to long-term success. There are shortcuts to short-term success. You can buy a lot of business in the short term. You can essentially spend a whole bunch of money on lead generation. You will most likely generate some buyer leads. You might close some transactions. You'll be agent of the month of the month. Uh, two or three months but later. It's not sustainable. Two or three months later, you've got nothing because you have not really created anything. And it goes back to Julie one of Julian I's premises of why we take the stance and the approach we do to training and coaching agents. It's because we want you to build your mansion, you know, your future, your house, right? Take it in the literal sense or take it in the figurative sense on land that you own. And land that you own is it's would you build a house? On land that you didn't own? I mean, some people do. They're called uh, land uh, land leases, but would you do that? Would you build your future on ground that you don't own? Well, when you're building your future based on bot business, based on branding, based on uh, really any kind of, uh, you know, when you're buying leads from anybody, you don't buy, you don't own that business. Social networking Is the absolute worst when it comes to building your business on something you don't own. Social networks change their algorithms, change their preferences. You could get canceled. You could have all kinds Mm -hmm. of things happen for whatever reasons that are out out of your control.
1: Well, that company could go away. We've seen that
0: before. Right. We've seen social. So when you build your business in your future on land you don't own, like I've seen, for example, let's just make this more practical. If you have most of your business that's coming from a source of business that is passive, in other words, for example, a reload company, or those of you who have been in the business long enough to remember being REO agents. You built your business on land that you don't own. It's only going to be temporary cash flow because if that REO, that asset management company decides to hire somebody else or they get bought or sold or they don't get a portfolio for you to basically end up listing, you're out of business because you never actually build a real business. You just stayed in this transitory cash flow type thinking. That's what we don't want you to do. Now you can do that short term and you can have some short term success, and you might have some uh, short-term financial benefits, but it won't be long-term, and it certainly won't allow you to actually be free. And free is where your money works for you, you no longer work for your money, and that comes from a long-term profitable real estate business. I know this is a lot for you to consume, but really at the end of the day, this is the bottom line in how you build a long-term sustainable business, this type of thinking.
1: So here's the action steps. As you go through your real estate world daily, weekly, monthly, but this is easier to do daily, ask yourself, what am I saying? Uh, No, I don't really do that. I can't offer that. I'll give you, there's so many uh, examples of knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. Agents that say, because they don't understand, say a 1031 exchange. Uh, That's not my cup of tea. Let me refer you to somebody or worse, not even referring them. FHAVA. Oh, you don't want to do that. I've heard terrible things about it. Well, is that true or are you just ignorant about it? Can you lease my property before I sell it? Nope, I don't do leases. How many times are you saying no versus yes, it would be my pleasure to help you?
0: Knowledge equals confidence. Ignorance ignorance, equals fear. Even is more pernicious than what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, how many of you right now are living in fear, secret fear, fear and panic of actually getting a call to list a house with a seller you don't have the relationship with. Yeah. In other words, you're not competitive and you know it. You don't have a listing presentation. You don't know how to pre qualify. You don't have a pre listing kit. You don't know how to overcome sellers objections. You are absolutely ignorant about how to get a listing that's going to be competitive. right somebody said you know you come across an opportunity somebody cold call you just for some reason you pick up the seller lead you have no uh, connection to them nobody you know knows them you have no inside ball this is straight up competition you're one of three agents that are competing i bet you most of you wouldn't even go right
1: you know and they do weird stuff too is they'll over pre-qualify Uh, You know, even if the seller says, you know, I want this price, if it's 10000 too high and the agent's mind, oh, they're they're just overpricing it anyway. You know, they come up with excuses not to go on it. And if they do go on it and they don't get it, they blame the other agent or the seller. Right. So that's all no bueno. And this is why we have coaching. This is why we have robust sections in our coaching about investment property, about different types of loans, FHA, VA, conventional, non-conventional, high net worth people. We teach you all of this stuff.
0: I know a lot of you come to Julie and I's coaching program and you know, we have 13 coaches. We have a fairly large business. This is a coaching organization that we have coaching clients and not just the United States and Canada, but in different parts of the country. A lot of you come to us after you've been snake bit by some of the things we've warned you about, right? <laughs> yeah. You listen to our podcast. Maybe you, you know, you listen to it and you, you make these, you know, you do these dumb things anyway with buying leads and doing all the rest of it. And then you still listen to us and you still, then you eventually realize what we're saying to you is true. Okay. There's one mm-hmm. way. And some of you basically will start listening to us after you're already mired in all the dumbness, you're already doing all this gimmicky stuff and you're now sort of slowly painfully realizing after you start listening to the podcast, yep, what they said is happening, yep, this makes mm-hmm. sense, what Tim and Julie are saying. So you come to us at different stages, or, and this is frankly the best coaching clients, you come to us after, fortunately you've been able to survive, you've not failed out of the business. A lot of you, them have done pretty well. You, you, you know? you, you've you done okay, you've been in the business two to three years, but they're stuck. And now you're stuck. And now you realize that what we've been saying is true, that you've been building your business on land that you don't own, mm-hmm. and now you're waiting, and maybe a lot of the, you are in that situation, are essentially centers of influence and power clients or you're trying to build a team and yet you may have a team you may have agents that call you boss but guess what? You're not making any profit and you're asking your team coach guru, when will I make a profit? And they say, later, that comes later, you're building a business.
1: Or you are the team leader and your baby bird buyer agents are saying, give me more worms, give me more worms. These aren't any good worms.
0: (laughs) That's a good baby bird voice, (laughs) Julie. And so what's going to happen is you're then going to say, you know what? I didn't get into this business for the reasons that I was told to be in this business. I got into this business because I wanted to be my own boss. Yes. I wanted to have freedom of my schedule. Yes. I wanted to be free. Ultimately, the reason that many of you got into this business is you wanted to be financially free where your money works for you. You no longer have to work for your money. Simply put, you wake up in the morning. You don't have to worry about money. You know, all the money that's, uh, you have enough money coming in passively that's going to meet or exceed all your personal financial uh, goals. Is that even, is that something that's, uh, that you guys can emotionally relate to that being a reality. It doesn't have to be tens of thousands of dollars for many of you. If you created five or $7,500 a month in passive income, you are by, you know, Tim and Julie's, uh, definition rich where your money's working for you. You no longer work for your money. And so that immediately changes the nature of your relationship with the word work. When you have enough money coming in that you no longer have to worry about money, that the money that you are then going to be making from your work is going to be more pleasurable. And the funny thing is, is you actually start making more money from transactions because of the fact that you're not, the nature of the money that you're earning is different. You're going to be making money now because you want to surprise your family with a trip to Disney World. Right? You're not going to tell them. You're going to do some closing. And
1: you're not going to throw it on a credit card. Right. You're
0: not exactly. You guys get it? You're going to make more money because you want to donate money to something that you care about. You're going to make more money. That's what happens. We've had coaching clients, hundreds of them at this point, that get to the point where they've been able to run profitable real estate businesses. And from those profitable real estate businesses, they then are able to become rich. That's how you buy rental properties. But Guys, straight up, the greatest, I don't want to call it a shortcut, but the greatest advantage that all of you guys have that Julie and I did not have when we were in the real estate business is EXP Realty. There's no doubt in my mind, for those of you who, and look, most of you are, I'm sure, would consider yourselves having open minds, right? If you have an open mind, which is an attribute you better have, then you should have an open mind to at least looking at what eXp offers and why, for example, there's 60,000 agents at eXp and why there's projected to be 75 000 to 85,000 uh, there by the end of the year. Why their eXp stock, by the way, the quarterly earnings just came out. Why the stock is going through the roof. Why, you know, all these things are happening. Mm-hmm. It's because eXp for real estate agents is the greatest thing since slice. Spread.
1: It's a wealth accelerator, right? Bar
0: none. Bar none, and that's the thing. I mean, I, you know, Julie and I talk about this, and I don't want to, you know, spend the rest of the time talking about EXP. But the reality of it is, is if you are looking to become rich, where your money works for you, and you no longer work for your money, uh, you have two distinct paths. Right? Well, three really uh your rich rich uncle bob passes away right not luck, likely so let's scratch that one you're gonna buy enough rental properties and live off the cash flow let, let me tell you from having owned uh we own a lot of rental are properties yeah that that is almost impossible to do okay <laughs> just it is taxes well, are going up
1: and when we bought them they weren't you know on average what's the national average now Three hundred eighty thousand. yeah okay it's so much harder for them to do that now
0: well i mean that's just, okay we'll make a have a practical conversation yeah if you wanted to earn five thousand dollars uh, per month off paid off rental properties, month in and month out. Okay, help me do this math, mm-hmm. okay? You and I don't even know where you're going to buy these because you and I do look.
1: Assuming you can find them, we're
0: habitual rental house buyers. Yeah. Well, we haven't bought in a long time, but it, so if you look at, for example, if you were to buy a two hundred thousand dollar house, mm-hmm. I don't know where you'd you'd find it, frankly.
1: Maybe in Boise.
0: Maybe,
1: yeah, maybe, maybe Boise.
0: Well, we've been to a lot of towns where you could probably buy a nice one and rent yeah. it out, right? Mm-hmm. So realistically, mm-hmm. after taxes, this is assuming that there's not maintenance and upkeep which you know there is you're going to be making about a thousand dollars a month on that two hundred thousand dollar house you know i we i talked to actually somebody in boise i don't mm-hmm. remember his name now he, he's a podcast listener so i apologize bud for not remembering your name that 24 year old guy mm-hmm. yes and we were talking about the fact that i asked what's the entry point in boise and he said 350 grand and wow. i said what is that 350 grand house buy you or mm-hmm. get, what are you getting rent mm-hmm. 1200 bucks yeah okay let me explain Mm -hmm. so here's the concept if julie and i were to go out and buy let's say a two hundred thousand dollar rental again we don't know where for you know we and let's say we pay cash for it we pay cash for it we're now two hundred thousand dollars lighter right the most we're going to get off that property net after uh carrying costs uh, of the property taxes, which the owner has to pay, you're going to be looking at roughly a thousand dollars a month in net. If pro- you're lucky, if you're lucky, if the hot water tank doesn't blow, if your roof doesn't leak, if you don't have vacancies, and
1: it's paid off, and okay, it's paid so that's off. the first hurdle for a lot of agents because this is assuming that you're paying your taxes on time, you're saving money, and you're paying your bills, and you pay cash.
0: So that means you need five two hundred thousand dollar paid off rental properties. In order to make five thousand dollars a month, that's the point I was trying to make. You need a million dollars in after-tax income to buy five to to earn sixty thousand dollars a month hypothetically and paid off rental properties. And this is this is the concept that Julie and I understood when we got into real estate. But rental properties were less expensive then. We were buying some for a hundred grand, less than hundred grand. And during the real estate crash, we bought a bunch for that we're you know have tripled and quadrupled and but look yeah. right place right time. Unfortunately, we could do it. That is not going to happen anytime in the near future. There are no real estate crashes on the near or even longer term horizon. So the reality of it is, is if you want to be rich where your money works for you, you no longer work for your money. And Uncle Bob is tapped out. <laughs> right. Okay.
1: Or maybe you don't even have an Uncle Bob.
0: You can do it the way we did it, and this is what we did. We did buy a bunch of rental properties. Jules and I have been married for three decades. This year, in one month, by the way. Mm-hmm. I know. That's amazing. And uh, we've been buying rental properties up until about two years, fairly consistently. Yeah. And we did it with the idea that we, in most of them, we would save up the money and we'd pay cash. And we'd save up the money and we'd pay cash. And then we'd buy a rental property. And then we would take in that little menial return on investment. And the idea was we'd have enough where we basically could live off the cash flow of our rentals. And we actually did it. But here's the fallacy is the vacancy rate the and all the you know the all the hassles yeah. that go even if you hire managers to manage your property you're mm-hmm. managing your managers and
1: you're paying your managers
0: right and then property taxes go up and then all your other expenses go up and then there's some restriction on this and the other thing and mm-hmm. all these different and oh we didn't mention the rent more uh, you know the eviction moratorium which frankly we didn't have to deal with but you're looking at this being a thing that of the wealth creation vehicle that's been relevant in the past It is very difficult to make it work now. Tim, you should look at multifamilies. I agree, but the math still works because you still have to be putting a a huge amount of money into it just to get any kind of decent cash flow versus eXp revenue share. And that's the thing that I'm excited about for all of you because if you just open your mind to it, the amount of people that you have to sponsor at eXp to get the benefit of revenue share to the amount, uh, to the point where you're making $5,000 uh, a month. Julie and I have come to know dozens, hundreds of people at this point that are essentially rich by our definition where their money works for them and they no longer have to work for their money because of eXp's but revenue share. But they don't have share. to
1: sponsor hundreds of people. In fact, e- with eXp, you don't have to sponsor anybody. If you don't. You don't, you don't to.
0: have to even participate. But I'll give you guys some numbers. And if, uh, I'm, not, if I'm not perfectly accurate on this, forgive, uh, forgive me. 60,000 agents at eXp now, uh, 40% or roughly 24,000 are receiving some form of revenue share every single month. So for you to think that revenue share is not something that's the uh, benefit of agents, there's your proof that that is not a correct statement. 24,000 agents at eXp are receiving some form of revenue share. When it, it, Let's assume eXp eclipses uh, 100,000. You're now looking at 40,000 agents at EXP or embracing revenue share to the point where they might be rich, where their money works for them and they no longer have to work for their money. Or you could try to save up a million dollars in after cash and after tax income. If you live in this yeah. amazingly gorgeous city where we are right now in San Francisco, you're probably going to have to earn a million to a million six in before tax income between state and federal taxes in order to basically save mm-hmm. a million in order for you to basically find those rental properties and good luck finding them. This is the point of this opportunity that all of you guys have. So I ended up getting on a soapbox anyway.
1: No, but, you know, we were talking about different opportunities. And back when we were building our rental portfolio, that was probably the best play there was. Yeah, definitely. But it certainly took a lot longer. okay. and we didn't have the EXP opportunity. I wish we would have, but I'm glad that all of our listeners do. And I think I don't know if you want to put any numbers to it, but you definitely don't want to don't have to be sponsoring tons and tons of hundreds of agents to get to, you know, even if it's just five thousand a month, the, the difference is this. And I was always struck by this at the EXP, um, you know, different meetings where I hear agents well, talk about and watch the
0: videos, Julie.
1: Yeah. But if 5,000 a month, here's the difference consistently yep. month in and month out. And if you choose to, and you learn too easily, you, that can be 10,000 a month. It could be 15,000 a month. How life changing is that? to know even if it's just your basic monthly income that is covered regardless.
0: Right. So here again, didn't mean to talk about this, but you can. get excited about it. Well, I'm excited about it because every morning when I look at my computer and I open my phone, I get these texts from people. A lot of times it's like a massive wave of gratitude. Yeah, and awesome. it makes me it that and a really strong cup of coffee is pretty much how <laughs> it's I a like good to start way to start today. the day. Yeah. And usually 100 push ups, which I haven't done for two days in a row. Uh-huh. But I mean, you come, you combine all these things with the massive waves of gratitude and all the people whose lives that were changing just because uh, we were open. We had open minds to the opportunity mm-hmm. ourselves. That's right. I uh, and yeah, this is uh, me being uh, in gratitude towards. Uh, essentially EXP frankly and uh, past him and Julie all the folks that are uh, involved in our our revenue share group called Libertas which by the way guys if you want to learn more about EXP uh, just text the word the letters really EXP to what is it again 47372. 47372. If you're ready to join EXP and you're looking for a a proactive uh, sponsor, someone who's obviously going to be helping you build revenue share, please do consider Julie and I. We are formally applying for the job of being your sponsor at EXP. Just text me directly at 512-758-0206. And listen, some of you guys don't like Julie and I talking about EXP. That would be akin to Julie and I not talking to you guys about some, you know, thing we came across that's gonna help you make money, right? If we discovered something that was a home run idea, that some new way of doing something that was gonna result in you guys taking more listings and we didn't tell you about it, wouldn't we kind of be SOBs for not doing that? Seriously. That's exactly how we feel.
1: Way out of integrity if that were to happen.
0: Or if we discover, which is often the case, unfortunately, something that's being sold to agents it's being told that agents are being sold to believe is going to be something that's going to save them from having to do the real work in real estate. And Julie and I see these things and we don't tell you about them. Wouldn't we also be SOBs for not telling you that this stuff is a gimmick and it's snake oil? and you know that's the stance we take and that's the reason we're so strong in our convictions about what we say because we've not it's not just our opinions a lot of you guys think we're bloviating just based on our opinions there are experiences based on our coaching clients and our and our opinions based on our experiences so this isn't just Julie and i formulating ideas based on just things we read on the internet this is based on hundreds of thousands of coaching calls and decades in the real estate uh, industry. There are no there are not too many people out there that have our depth and breadth of experience. And I'm not bragging in a way you should feel sorry for me that we've been coaching agents for this long. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I the, do. But yeah, <laughs> I do too. But the, I mean we can't yeah. our, our brain is so hardwired to think like this, we couldn't change it if we wanted to. I know. Yeah. It's crazy. It's unfortunate. But it's because
1: we have your back, it's because we've walked in your shoes and because we do see the difference and we do appreciate all of the opportunities that are out there for you. And gosh, you know, how awful would it be if, if somebody would say to us, hey, have you guys heard about this EXP thing and all the great stuff that they have to offer agents? And we're like, oh, no, you know, I, I haven't looked at that. that t- that's crazy.
0: I'll tell you guys something interesting. I think maybe two of you will find it interesting, but since <laughs> the end of the podcast, I'll tell you anyway. So Julie and I get excluded from a lot of things in the real estate industry when the sponsors find out that Julie and I are on the speaking list. So we will get invited to speak at something something or another. And then all of a sudden Zillow, or I'm not saying Zillow in particular, but tech companies will find out that Julie and I are being invited to be speakers and they know what we're going to say, the truth. And so uh, the sponsors will then essentially make it so that we're all of a sudden not going to be on the roster of uh, of things to speak. And I'll tell you what's more is some of these tech companies, especially the smaller ones, Um, I've been told that they have tried to specifically refute what Julie and I are saying with regards to the veracity of our claims that a lot of this stuff is just snake oil that they're selling it to the point where they try to go online and say bad stuff about what we're saying without posting any facts. They're just they're the ones that are bloviating. So we're seeing uh, in some cases an organized attempt to cancel us. Uh, because what we're saying about the tech companies and what we're saying about a lot of the snake oil that's come into the marketplace um, is true, and they know it's true. And when agents listen to us, when you guys listen to us, the reason this is the number one li- uh, listen to daily podcast is because agents are looking for a reprieve from the lies. They're looking for a reprieve from the Mickey Mouse. They're looking for... Uh, some reconnect with why they originally got into real estate, which was not necessarily the reasons why they're being sold that they're supposed to believe. Like, you do not have to be a brand. You do not have to have a team. You do not have to have a fancy logo or a fancy website. Matter of fact, there are reasons not to do those things. Now, if you want to go around the bend and do those things eventually, you're more than welcome to, but make sure you do the proactive things first. And once you master the art and science of doing the proactive, you probably will never be attractive to the passive. And that means that the people that are selling you the passive we'll never make your money. We'll never get your money. You'll never do business with them because you're too smart to do business to. with them. It, exactly. And that's what we're all about. Now here just to really kind of level this out. Again, didn't mean to get on a, you know, class 3 rant, but th- we would personally as a business make way more money. If we did what our competitors did, which, which is sold basically you guys a bunch of crap. Yeah. So basically <laughs> said, Oh, today we're going to be talking about this CRM. We're going to be those CRMs and all those tech platforms are paying those speakers, those coaches, the people that you are trusting, and maybe you've misplaced your trust. They are paying those people to essentially fly their flags for them. That's not integrity where Julie and I come from. Integrity is taking what somebody has to say, uh, you know, essentially looking at it objectively, looking at it through the filters that we put in place, which is always being agent centric and what's going to put you guys in a position to essentially have the most net profit and what's going to put you in a position to essentially have a long-term sustainable business. And if it passes through those filters, and frankly, if we, if the people have reputations that we can then, you know, trust to then refer our agents to, then we're going to do it.
1: Yes. And but we do you, do that,
0: but you, well, extremely rarely.
1: Yes. But that's part of what premier coaching is about is we yeah. help them filter all that. You know, when we have our daily, uh, semi-private calls, Oftentimes agents will, our coaching clients will bring something to us and they'll say, hey, I found this in my email. What do you think about it? What's the skinny on this? And we don't just shoot from the hip. We have that research. The coaches research it. We research it and we tell you if it's the real deal and if it's worth it or if it's just a bunch of baloney snake oil. Yeah.
0: And there's a lot of it. It, I would say 99% is just baloney snake oil. They're taking advantage of agents. Uh, opportunistic natures, short-term money thinking, not long-term business thinking, and they're taking advantage of the agent's natural desire to chase the shiny object. Sure.
1: It's the easy button mentality. It
0: is. And we're not going to do it. No. We're not going to participate in it. We're not going to market it. We're not going to advertise it. We're not going to profit from it. So if you want to hate on us because of that, well, then go right ahead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Have fun with that. In
0: the meantime, for the rest of you guys who want to stay on this path with us, we want to sincerely thank you for continuing to make this number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in at least the United States. It's our pleasure, but really it's our honor to be part of your lives. And we sincerely appreciate you being part of ours. Um, I want to put out the call again. If you have um, the inclination, the impetus, please do go over to iTunes and please do give Jaleen and I and this podcast, Real Estate Coaching Radio, a five-star review. We would certainly appreciate it. Um, That's something that does matter to us because then it allows, frankly, iTunes algorithm then will then uh, push the podcast to other people around the world that we should also be helping. So I would really sincerely appreciate it if you would go over to iTunes. It only takes a second. If you're listening on our uh, podcast, if you're listening on our website, Tim and Julie Harris, dot uh, com. You can go over to iTunes or go over to Stitcher, whatever your iTunes your uh, podcast listening device is, and please do consider giving us a five star review. Don't give us a four star review because, interestingly enough, the four star reviews don't really count for anything. Might as well not have done it. A five star review, we sincerely appreciate it. If we've helped you at any point in your real estate career, that is your that is the only thing we ask is just give us a five star review. If mm-hmm. th- you know that would uh, be something that would um, you know it would help us. Continue our mission, which is being of service to all of you, just like your mission is to be of service to your family, your community, and the people who you choose to do business with. Anything else you'd like to say, guys? Well, if
1: you're in San Francisco for the next four days or the surrounding areas and you'd like to catch a cup of coffee, then just reach out to us. I think the way to do that is on the... the link to this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Thanks. Yeah, well, more specifically, though, messages on Instagram. We posted a video. I think I may have mentioned this. I posted a video last night of those incredible foghorns around the Golden Gate Bridge um, I went out there and it was like 60 degrees and froze my jahumbas off, uh, you know, my wedding vegetables, just for the sake of sharing that experience with all of you. So that's over on Instagram. But we are posting where we are, where we're going to be, a little travel vlog, if you will. And uh, obviously this podcast is keeping track of where we're going, and where we're going to be. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, if you guys would like to connect with us on any of our future layovers, we're not going to go out of our way. But if you come to us, if you're local, we would love to spend some time quality quality coffee time for all of you. And I understand San Francisco has some of the best coffee on planet earth. And I'm really looking forward to uh, putting that to the test. You guys have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com.